either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, if you remember, last week we said everybody was getting out of the way, so there'd only be one movie this week. But turns out there are a few others. Yeah. Are a few others to talk about. Uh, but then there's that one big one out there, too, <laughs> that we're going to talk a lot about without spoiling anything. Uh, welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. And you know where we're starting? Wrapping up the Avengers saga with Avengers Endgame. The world is One of the funniest things I saw it was it wasn't too long after we saw it uh, Tuesday mm-hmm. uh, afternoon. Uh, it came out on Thursday night. We saw it Tuesday afternoon, and it was just not very long at all before I saw someone nationally had made a story about okay, here's the best times to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so you know, and that makes sense because <clears throat> no one wants to spoil anything, and it is three hours long. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we did have a, a, a jumbo soda. And oh, we were, I was uh, in pain. <laughs> I was in pain by the end of that movie. And I agree with whoever wrote that original post that you have to get it done before the one hour mark. Yeah. Once you're into the second hour and then second and third hour, that's when you really don't want to. To miss anything. To miss anything, yeah. exactly. So uh, even though it is a full three hours, um, if you wait until, you know, if you go through to the very end of the credits, which actually this time you don't have to no. because there aren't any stingers. And you know what? I, th- I think that felt right. I agree. I really do. No, um, I, I agree. The only thing I think they might have done that I was expecting was maybe a, a, some, some Stan Lee tribute. Yeah, but maybe. you know, they, they kind of did that instead um, at Captain Marvel at the beginning yeah. of Captain Marvel. And, and that was the first film to come out after his passing. Yeah. So. But uh, other than that, it really felt right to just leave it like this because it is. It's, it's wrapping up of the, the Avengers saga and it felt to me it it was a very satisfying wrap-up it felt like it really gave props to the entire series fans of the entire series you know um and it it felt just like a good in in some cases passing of torches Mm -hmm. in other cases more wrapping just things up even though we know that the marvel movies of course are going to continue uh with spider-man first and then there's going to be another black panther and so on we know that, but not this. Mm-hmm. This is really needed to wrap up, and I think that this was a very satisfying and, in some cases, emotional mm-hmm. way to do it, and I liked yeah. it. I think that they, you know, you always say check all the boxes, and but in a bad way, yeah. and, and in this case, I, I, I don't think it is in a bad way. I think that they, they um, revisit the themes of the individual storylines uh, of the four main characters, mm-hmm. the four Avengers, and uh, and uh, give us some closure, yeah. you know, sort of. And 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 there are parts of it where they actually remind you of, like, in case you forget, this is what it was like two movies ago, and this is what it was like. And it, and it's yeah. in a very fun way. Uh, and I think the other thing that I really liked about it is that it's very funny. I mean, it's emotional, and there's it's action packed, mm-hmm. but it's it's really funny. It is funny. I uh, 
I, I don't think it's too funny. I, I'm one that thought that Thor Ragnarok was too funny. Right. Even though I enjoyed it. I'm not but saying you, I didn't like it. But you see it as more a flat-out comedy than an action film or and, a superhero movie. And just their goal in, in too many of the scenes in Ragnarok was comedy at the expense of everything else. And in this case, this, it's not. It doesn't, not only it doesn't that, feel that way. The, not only is a comedy not at the expense of the drama or of the action that's being built, so many times what it does is um, strengthen what I already think is the strongest element that the Avengers have going for it, and that is that these characters are so well-defined, not just individually, but as pairs and duos and trios. Yeah. The way that they behave and talk to each other is so authentically the, the characters that you know riffing off the other characters that yep. you know, and that's usually where the comedy is born. Because they bring so much. As soon as you sit down for this movie, for most people, most audiences, you already have so much investment in these characters yeah. that you, you bring mm -hmm. some knowledge, you bring, you, you know what these characters are about. And that is to credit not only the actors. Right. Let's, let's not, you know, pretend that they don't have a lot to do with it. They do. I mean, they're, they're very talented, uh, top to bottom, and they bring a very easy comfort now yep. to their roles. But also, remember, the, the directors, the Russo brothers, and the writers, uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, they've been around now since, I think, the first Captain America movie. The writers have been, and the directors yeah. have been since the second Captain yeah. America movie. So... They are very well-versed in what works with these movies and where they're going. They've yep. probably had a good vision of where they're going to take this since they first came on. So that's good. You've got that continuity. Yep. And it really, it really feels like it, the movie benefits from that because, um, you know, somebody asked me this week, you know, well, have I, do I need to have seen all the movies? And then somebody else asked us, I haven't seen any of them. Do right. I well, then no, <laughs> this is not really for you if you haven't seen any of them. No, because... it's not to say that you won't enjoy it. It is an enjoyable film, but the, but it really is a tribute. It's a, such a good capper to the, the whole series, not just these, the Avengers films, but also the, you know, their, the individual you know the Thor films and yeah. the Captain America films, and 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 you know we we give credit to the current <clears throat> filmmaking team, but I think a lot of the credit also goes back to Joss Whedon, who did the first Avengers film, and mm -hmm. when he first put uh, the four, you know, in a well six, I suppose, really in a room together, um, it, he knew and you knew immediately. Captain America is the heart of this team, yes. and he's the most important sort of cog in this machine. Yep. And um, as much as, you know, if you love, of course, and, and Iron Man is the other one that, but the, they're such a good sparring partner, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that it was, it was Whedon's script and, and film that determined that. And I think that that's maybe the, the most important decision that was made in the entire series. Yeah, and it's no spoiler now to say at the end of Infinity War, the big cliffhanger that they dropped on us with, is that Thanos had snapped his fingers and gotten what he wanted. You know, half the universe just gone, mm -hmm. okay? And so this movie, of course, deals with, all right, how are the Avengers that are left going to deal with that? Right. And there's been a lot of theory since that first, uh, since the end of Infinity War. And you know, some people may have guessed a little bit of it, probably not the whole thing, but I think that, that the way that they approach it and the story uh, beneath the humor and beneath uh, all the action, the story that they've la laid out as to how they do get out of this situation holds together pretty well. Right. It, and it's, and it's uh, engaging. It, yes, I was it is. really caught up in it. Mm -hmm. um, but all the other stuff is, is just gravy. And we do have to say... And we mentioned this, um, I think, all the way back with Ragnarok, didn't we? We are just not big fans of where they've taken the Hulk. No! 
We're just not. That might say something about us because we have said a million times we are not comic book people. No, we're all not. Right? So if what they've done with the Hulk character is true to the comic books, well, God bless you. It's just we just we're not we're not loving it. No, we're just no, not loving it. I was not loving it in Ragnarok. I'm full blown hating it in yeah. Avengers. I, I mean, it's it's um it's just and and you know a lot of it is you know Hulk is my childhood that was my favorite superhero that was you know i had the color forms i loved hulk and maybe i'm just not willing to see him grow <laughs> well that no that that could but, be that's uh, not to be discounted because i just yeah i and that's i think that's my only really major bone to pick with this film well, and there's that's, one and other I, one and that we'll i get recognize to. that that's just personal taste yeah so i'm not going to actually hold it against it other people might love it but i cannot get behind where they go with hulk yeah uh there's one other here that we'll get to in a minute one little bit but, uh, yeah, the, the story, that how they deal with Thanos is, is engaging. Of course, jo- uh, Josh Brolin back again, and that's he cuts an imposing figure because his voice is perfect for that CGI yes. character. And I do say, going back to Hulk, I do say Hulk's CGI this time, not quite, I mean, it's fine. It's not quite up to, to Thanos' level in terms of the facial expressions. I mean, mm. it's a heck of a lot better than Superman's mustache. <laughs> But, uh, you know, maybe just a, a step below. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, the whole look of the film is very good. It's not Black Panther, but it's 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 very good. Yeah. And I appreciate the editing in the action sequences, especially the big one. Yeah. When they, everybody comes yep. out to play. Yeah. I mean, the editing is not so frenetic that you lose track of who's doing what. No, I agree with you. You know, which is, I think, very important here to keep track of who's doing mm-hmm. what. Um, and uh, one of the scenes, one of the sequences in that big battle royale is a real salute to the female heroes. And we had a couple of different takes on mm-hmm. that, and I liked yours, because I thought of it as, boy, it, it just almost seemed like a great big defiant middle finger to all of the fanboys that got mad about Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they just said, boy, you're mad about Captain Marvel? How about this? Right. And then you had a different take on it. Too little too late. You know, and, and I don't want to be uh, super bitter about it, because I'm not, and I thought Captain Marvel was great. But the truth is, Marvel had a lot of opportunities to to showcase a female in the way that they showcase Captain Marvel, and they they didn't even kick it around until Wonder Woman came out and made an ass load of money. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, look at us, we're super girl power. But again, I just want to go, you know? Interesting, yeah. I didn't. I didn't think about that. I, I just felt like that scene was a little too self-congratulatory mm-hmm. because they're always for years. There have been the the uh, rumors of maybe a uh, Black Widow movie yeah. that has never come to pass. No, it hasn't. So um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. But uh, so you get that, and you know, it it leads to a conclusion that again, I think for some people, uh, there's it's going to be you know emotional. I thought where they took one character in particular, who I won't mention, I thought it just seemed perfect. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. I, I, I thought they were going to go one way, and then they went another mm-hmm. way, and I really thought it was perfect uh, for one character uh, especially. So yep. uh, all in all, yeah, I thought it was I- extremely, extremely satisfying. I think still for me, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure for you too, Black Panther is still a standard bearer mm-hmm. for these movies. Mm-hmm. But boy, if you're going to wrap it up, this is just gives you about everything I think you could want yeah. uh, in a in a culmination of Including something. Including some very emotional moments. Yes. I think we kind of didn't mention that specifically. And I, I my guess is everybody is expecting for a little bit of a gut punch now mm-hmm. and again. Yeah. Mm, they 
You'll get it. But they seemed right. They, oh, absolutely. They seemed right. Yes, you know, no, 100%. I don't, I don't think, I, I didn't really feel like there were a lot of missteps here. No. Again, I think that is credit to the the you know experience that the uh, filmmakers, the writers, and the cast all have with this entire mm-hmm. entire franchise. Yep. So, yeah, I say uh, well done on, uh, on wrapping it up, and we'll see where it goes from here. I don't. Somebody asked me, too, um, in one of the radio shows I called in on, if they thought this would, would this really be the end or will they get in a, you know and my answer was I guess in the end money always talks but boy I hope they don't you know some of these characters we will see them again obviously but mm-hmm. for this this I this really feels like the perfect way to just leave it sure doesn't it yes yeah so uh, we enjoyed Avengers Endgame just get that bathroom break done before hour one trust us on that. One more national release sneaking in this week, and it's a story of a workaholic woman who is called to babysit her teenage niece, and things go awry. It's called Family. This is me. I'm a senior-level VP at a hedge fund in New Jersey. So, how exactly did I wind up here? Because I was trying to do something nice for once. Your brother called. They need you to go to his house later. We need you to watch Maddie. I'm sorry, who? Your niece. Is everything okay? No. I'm watching my niece for the week. She's strange. I think she prefers being alone and making weapons of nature. We had an incident earlier with bullying. I hope you're not encouraging her to fight back. You just gotta fight back. Of course not. And you got her a dress for the dance tomorrow? You wanna wear a dress? We couldn't let her in. She wasn't wearing formal attire. She was wearing a suit and she was wearing a cape. I don't know what could be more formal than that. Well, this did sneak in, right? It, it, it wasn't on our radar. We didn't realize we would be covering it. We got the email. I started reading the description, and I was just like, Ugh. and then I got to the last line of the email description, and I thought, oh, I'm in. Yeah, because in a lot of ways, this is a rewrite of Uncle Buck. Exactly. You remember the John Candy comedy? Now, he had to come over and babysit, and this is the same... And he was a bad choice, right? Yeah, Everybody knew it from the moment he was introduced, that he doesn't know yeah. anything about raising kids, and oh, no, and you know... You know, hijinks will ensue. Right, right. And in this one, they throw a little monkey in the wrench because it turns out the niece in question uh, is a fan of the insane clown posse. That's right. She's a, <laughs> she's a would-be juggalo. And uh, and and it's funny. Is it, juggal- is it juggalo or juggalo? Juggalo. Okay, sorry. It's juggalo. <laughs> um, I just know, I remember there, there was a kid that used to sit in front of us at church, and he would always be <laughs> sure to wear his... Wicked Clowns t-shirt to church, and uh, that's about as much as I know as Insane Clown Posse. But, yeah, it makes for a a funny premise here because she is not interested in the things that this workaholic aunt thinks maybe she she was expecting her niece to be into. Right, because basically of the kind of the way that this niece has been represented to her by way of her family that she pays no attention to. <laughs> and it's Taylor Schilling who yeah. plays Aunt Kate. And um, I've never seen Orange is the New Black, I'm not going to lie to you, but she I've seen her in films before and I've never been particularly impressed. She is great in this movie because what she does basically is, you know, she's not necessarily the you know, rise to the top quick uh, exec that you expect her to be. She's just a socially awkward adult who doesn't have anything else to do with her spare time because she doesn't have any relationships. So she works around the clock, and this is her, her success. So when you put her together with the niece that is also very socially awkward, this is my favorite line in the movie. Magic is my passion. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, yeah. it's just funny because because then Kate starts to recognize... No, that's me. And and one of the other great, great moments is when she kind of shares that with her niece. No, I was also just like you. And then mm-hmm. niece was like, 
oh, so I'm going to grow up and I'm going to grow out of it. Everything is going to be fine. And she goes, oh, no, everybody hates me. I never know what to do in social situations that I never know to do with my arms. And there, was, <laughs> there was so much comedic insight in this movie. And, and it's not a it's not a it's not a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wraps up a little more cleanly than you want it to, but it, I laughed out loud many times, partly because Kate McKinnon plays the next door neighbor. Yeah, well, that's, you can never go wrong with Kate McKinnon. This is the, uh, feature debut as a writer and director for Laura Steinell, who's also been an actress in some small parts, Mm -hmm. and then she's done some TV, but this is her feature debut as a writer director. So yeah, kind of a, maybe not the week that she might have picked for her debut to come out, but it's <laughs> But one... you know, there are going to yeah. be people who don't get tickets yeah. to see Avengers, and they're at the movies, so what are they going to do? And you know what? You'll laugh. You will laugh. Not a lot of laughs in this next one. It's a father and his daughter struggling to survive in deep space where they live in isolation. It's high life. Dada. The odds are not in our favor, but when my work is accomplished, when perfection is achieved, then what? Fly away? Dada. You lied to us. You knew it. The sensation moving backwards. Yeah. Even though we're moving forwards, getting further from what's getting nearer. Are you sick? Break the laws of nature. You'll pay for it. This is one we were excited for, partly because we're big Claire Denis fans, and anytime she puts out a movie, we are in line to see that. Yeah, because she is um, maybe the definition of unconventional. Yes. If you don't know Claire Denis, she did Trouble Every Day. Mm-hmm. She also did... 45 Shots of Rum. She did uh, Let the Sun Shine In last yes. year. Yes. And this one is the latest in a really impressive string of indie of challenging indie roles for Robert Pattinson. I think it's very clear now what his goals were after leaving Twilight. Yes, and uh, you know what? Well, not every single one has been a home run. So many of these films have been interesting, and he has been really good oh, in yes. Awful. And, and here's another one. He's great in this movie. Yes, he, he has definitely proven his talent, and this is another one. Uh, he, he takes the... The lion's share of the screen time in this. Uh, he's Monty, and yeah, he's. We introduced to him. He's alone in deep space with his young daughter, baby daughter. Baby, oh Willow. my god, how cute was that baby? <laughs> and then through sketches and flashbacks, you get some sense of what went on, and some questions are raised, some questions are answered. It's very surreal. It's very. It's uncomfortable at times. It's bloody at times. But I think what makes it here is you take, you know, Claire Denis. Uh, taking on the sci-fi genre yep. very clearly, mm-hmm. and and she's very aware of that because there is a um, a character in this movie named Chandra, and so <laughs> if you're a 2001 fan, that's going to sound very familiar, and so she knows what she's dealing with, but she's very deliberate in placing it sort of where other in the spaces where other sci-fi films don't always go. Exactly. You know, on one end you've got the the enlightened consciousness of a 2001, maybe on the other end you've got the bloodthirsty acid-blooded monster of Alien, but then skipping over some of these parts about our primal instincts and our self-destructive nature and 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 things that we are and aren't willing to do as a as a species. Mm-hmm. This movie kind of picks at those scabs, it does. you know? And it doesn't answer all the questions no. that it poses. It really doesn't. And then if you're familiar with Claire Denis' work, that's a common element in her films. She does, she seems like she sometimes strings together the moments that another filmmaker might edit out. Mm-hmm. Like, she is more interested in a different type of story. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the deep space 
effects, I guess. You know, they're not the big budget worthy. No, you no. know, they're not going to industrial light and magic to get these done. But it's it really sets a mood yep. in this movie, and the uh, the performances are, are great. Oh, we've got to mention Juliette Binoche. Juliette Binoche. She Goff. is she. Yeah, Juliette Binoche is the uh, ship doctor, Doctor Dibbs, who's. Mm-hmm seems to be in control of all of what's going on. She's giving the orders, and we won't say why. But uh, So this is all kind of story you get in flashback, and I think the opening shot and the closing shot say a lot about yeah. what she's going for here, but but it's the, it's the ride in between that makes this really a different sort of sci-fi animal, which is just what a filmmaker like Claire Denis is going for. Right. And I thought it was really good, and I thought it was another... In a, like we said, a long string of really fine performances by Robert Pattinson. Yep. Also out this week, a story based on the absurd but true 1973 bank heist and hostage crisis in Stockholm that was documented in The New Yorker as the origins of Stockholm Syndrome. It's called Stockholm. All of Sweden would like to know, what is it like being stuck in there with those criminals? It's not too bad. He let me call. He didn't have to. You and the others will survive, and I can go home. You're unbelievably brave, you know. And you feel it, sun shining. But you trust them? More than we trust our police. Remember the Alamo. Well, the first thing, it was amazing to me that no one has addressed this in a movie yet. I know, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's 1973, <laughs> and that term is so common now, right. and everyone thought, well, how did it get started? Well, it got started here. Yeah. And what's also interesting is w- how the filmmaker treats it, how much comedy he puts into it. Right. It's And it's not if it's a slapstick or something, but it's... It's funny, you know, it's entertaining and, and somewhat light, and it is, a, it's a little, not off-putting exactly, but it's a little jarring how often you chuckle because you would think that a movie that depicts the or- origin of the term Stockholm Syndrome would be a little bit more serious, but by the end of the film, that you kind of realize that it's a slight act of manipulation because the filmmaker also wants you to feel more uh, uh, attracted to or or in touch with the villains, mm-hmm. you know, and and he does do a good job actually, and mainly because Ethan Hawke, who plays the lead, is another just guy, endearing. Another guy who's been doing some really great work the last few years. Oh my goodness! Uh, taking some different type of roles, and this is writer director Robert Boudreau, who's done a lot of TV. Couple of shorts, maybe one other feature. That, uh, uh, but, he did another feature with Ethan Hawke. Mm, Born to Be Blue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But he's done a lot of TV. Now getting more uh, experience in the features, and uh, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting take on an interesting story, and uh, you know, and an interesting performance, big wig and all, by Ethan Hawke. <laughs> and also, let's not forget uh, Mark Strong. Mark Strong, who's is, always great, is his accomplice. Yeah. And then, and they're a great point counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Mark Strong is. He's also got some funny lines, but he's more level-headed. But there's a tenderness between the two of them. And then kind of the third, to balance it yeah. out, Numi Rapace. There you go. Now, I've loved her since girl with the, the original Girl with the Dragon yeah. Tattoo. But I've, I I think she has struggled since then. I, this is a really solid, very understated, but powerful performance. And I think it's it's a she does a good job of balancing kind of the the tone that you get from the other two leads. Yeah, so it's an interesting story based in history, uh, told in an interesting way. You might want to check out Stockholm.
Another one in limited release this week, based on true events, story of a young woman named Savannah Noop spending six years pretending to be the celebrated author J.T. Leroy, the made-up literary persona of her sister-in-law, J.T. Leroy. So J.T. is like your pen name? More like my avatar. The book is doing really well. People need to see J.T. now. When I first saw you, I thought you looked like him. Uh-huh. You establish yourself as someone else. JT, you're here at last. And nobody even notices. You sound like a woman to me, but you insist you are a man. Are you really who you say you are? Are you really who you say you are? I can't really tell. Are you a man? <laughs> Please tell me you are who you say you are. Understand me, you understand. Well, we've got another Twilight alum in this. With, That's right. Uh, Kristen Stewart, and she's paired up with Laura Dern in a really, a really interesting story of faked identities and really years before the term catfishing. It's almost like catfishing. Right. It is a fascinating story, so much so that there are already two documentaries about this episode in sort of literary history, which is not that old, actually. It took place in the 90s. Uh, uh, Laura Abbott wrote a couple of books using the the nom de plume, J.T. Leroy, which is not that unusual, except that uh, she was not claiming that it was a nom de plume. She was claiming that these were autobiographical, poetic autobiographical works, and that J.T. Leroy was, in fact, a, a, a living, breathing human being. And And she also had phone interviews. She uh, she conducted interviews with other celebrities. She, as J.T. Leroy, on the phone. So she, the, the author, took on uh, the life of this character that she created, who was a, a young man who was an agoraphobe who had been brought up by a truck stop prostitute and spent most of his life dressed as his, his mother's sister. Amazing. It's a fascinating story, but then what eventually happened was this character that she created that people believed was real, well, people started to believe he wasn't real, mm-hmm. and they needed to see him in the flesh. Yeah. So she talked her sister-in-law into putting on a wig and performing live as if she were also J.T. Leroy. It's one of those that, if it was not true, and some screenwriter came up with it, you'd yeah. go, what? Nobody believed this. This right. would never happen. But then yeah. it just reminds you of how crazy the, the crazy things people can do oh yeah think they can get away with them i know it is it is i mean it's a fascinating story and both documentaries actually are fascinating looks at at how they thought they would get away with it what their motivations yeah. were but yeah. here first of all uh kristen stewart is the perfect choice to play savannah um because she's just sort of effortlessly sort of androgynous and mm-hmm. kind of sensual, and, and she just pulls this off really well. But Laura Dern, as is her way, steals every scene she's in. She's yeah. brilliant. And this is based on Savannah's memoir, mm-hmm. and the writer-director is Justin Kelly, who did King Cobra uh, years ago with James Franco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting, not great, but an interesting movie. Um, and this is interesting. Yes. Uh, uh, again, yeah. and uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the performances are great. And Kristen Stewart is interesting because she gives... You know, we get on her a little bit when she goes to default mode of the angsty face. Yeah. You know, but here the the looks on her face kind of give give way to that feeling that the audience is feeling like, really, are we doing this? Right. You know, is, this is really what we're doing right yeah. now. <laughs> and she has a lot of scenes because in real life, then uh, J T. Leroy, the the physical avatar, right? 
develops a somewhat romantic relationship with Asia Argento, um, Dario Argento's daughter, yeah, who in, is, is an actress. Yeah, in real life. In real life. Yeah. And, and Asia Argento then bought the rights to make one of the novels into and then made it and directed it and starred in it. And then after it came out, people realized that this was all a fraud. And so she was anyway, their relationship is depicted here. And, and that's where the movie gets a little bit flat when Laura Dern and Kristen Stewart are together, that's when the movie is at its best. They just are really spot on. Um, and, and on the whole, it's such an interesting and bizarre story that it's just worth watching. And that is J.T. Leroy. And one more to talk about this week, a horror movie based on an old Twilight Zone episode. It's a man descending into paranoia after trapping what he believes to be the devil in his basement, but things take a dark turn when his family unexpectedly arrives for Christmas. I trapped the devil. What have you done? There is something evil locked behind that door. Please help me. Who else have you told about this? This is a nightmare. You back a dog into a corner, he's gonna bite. I don't know what he thinks I've done. This is a very small indie horror film, and it's it's a good watch. It is, and it's, and it's out not only it's out on VOD right now, and, the and actual, in some yep, select same day, theaters. Same yeah. day, yep. Uh, and it's one that plays with a couple of really familiar horror tropes. One, of course, is kind of the are they crazy or is there something really malevolent happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I think that it manages that quite well. It's a very small movie. It's basically three people in a house together. This is the whole thing. And as the the family members kind of discover, he may have a captive man down his basement, and how (laughs) long has that been going on? And then little by little, they do a good job, and that's important in a film like this, to, to keep having you as the audience go, well, is it really the devil, or is this guy really crazy? And the performances help elevate it. And uh, it's not... You know, a Jordan Peele, one of those things that's going to keep you reeling later. It's a small movie, but it's really well done. A lot of commitment from the cast. Very enjoyable. This is the debut for writer-director Josh Lobo, and he gets inspiration from an uh, an episode of The Twilight Zone from November of 1960. It's the inspiration behind this. And we might say, if you're going to check it out, you might not want to watch the trailer because there's a little something at the end of the trailer that is a little bit of a giveaway Mm -hmm. that it's better that you don't know. So, um, you know, I can see why sometimes, especially for a small movie like that, they want to try to entice you into yeah. watching it. But uh, if you want to check this one out, might not want to watch the trailer first. Uh, but we enjoyed it. I Trapped the Devil. And since it's out this week on VOD as well, very appropriate that we head to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Well, a couple good ones out on home video this week, and one, not so much. First off, Destroyer, Nicole Kidman in Destroyer. This is one a lot of people were surprised she didn't get uh, Oscar love for yeah. this, but it was a tough <laughs> it was tough sled yes, this year for actresses. Yeah. But she's really, really good in it. It's a, it's a detective story that plays with the timeline and um, gives you a nice little twist at the end. So it's, it's not great. It's got a couple of uh, peaks and valleys here and there, but I really enjoyed it, and she, despite a couple of instances of maybe going a little bit too over the top that felt more like direction than performance for me, uh, I enjoyed Destroyer, and I know you enjoyed 
Hagazusa because we talked about it last week. That's right? right. So we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but just to let you know that it is available on VOD at this point, and it is a really spooky, poetic sort of look at uh, at witchery. Yeah, love a good witch story. Also, one that's not so great. Uh, Escape Room is out on VOD this week. It's not that it's horrible. It's not particularly good. And what it is is a not particularly good basic ripoff of a good <laughs> movie called Cube. So not, I was a little a disappointed. Not a lot of no, people saw that one. No. But it, but it's you know if you it's a fun sort of disposable the probably really crumbles in the third act but other than that it's a fun disposable about a bunch of people who are trapped in an escape room not knowing that of course they're all gonna die <laughs> next week we've got the long shot I already love the tagline in that because it's got Seth Rogen pairing up with Charlize Theron and the tagline is unlikely but not impossible <laughs> so. Also, Dennis Quaid playing against type as a bad guy in The Intruder. Also have Ugly Dolls, The River and the Wall, Ask Dr. Ruth, Her Smell, and Sunset. A bunch. Can you tell that it's the week after, after Avengers? <laughs> after Avengers, hey, yeah. Hey, let's just all hang on till next week to release our movie. <laughs> so uh, let us know what you thought about Avengers or any of the other movies that came out this week. We always love to keep the conversation going on Twitter. is the easiest way to find us. We're at Mad Wolf. M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And uh, the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and other fun stuff, including our other podcast, just about horror movies, called Fright Club. The main website is madwolf.com. We do appreciate you listening to The Screening Room and always love your feedback. And wherever you are listening to The Screening Room, please subscribe, rate, and review. Love you for it. So until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is The Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.